morning, church. It's good to be together again. I hope your week has been full. Does furniture at your house start to get wobbly over time? Is it just my house? Yeah, it's good to be together. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Micah chapter 6 for most of the day. Uh, you can start turning there. Um, but this week we celebrate uh, July 4th. And why we celebrate July 4th is for our freedom. And so I just would like to open our time together with a word of prayer. But if it's possible, I know that some in this room um, give to ensure our freedom just a little bit differently than the rest of us. And, and although I, I think there's a role for everyone to be honored in this room, uh, can I just ask you right now, if you serve or have served in one of the branches of our military, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, you guys are always the forgotten crew. And now, I'm going to say this, and you don't giggle, but Space Force as well. I've got to get used to that, right? So if you served in one of the branches of the military or serve currently, would you just stand with me today if you're willing? Don't feel like you have to, but if you serve or have served, would you stand with us today? Thank you. Amen. You can be seated. I won't make you stand forever in doing that. Can we just pray over our country and be give thanks in a special way for those? Father God, we love you. Lord, I don't think there's very many times that I come to you where I don't have that first thought on my breath. And Lord, you've given us an opportunity to live in a country where freedom exists uh, in, in a way that it doesn't in most places around the world. Uh, Lord, and we praise you for that freedom. We thank you, Father, for those who sacrifice in a way that's different than the rest of us, God. Um, we praise you for those who are out there currently, even now, defending it, Lord, and even helping others to know the same. And so, Lord, this week, as we celebrate the freedom that you allow us to have in our society, God, I just pray that you would allow us to make the most of it. Uh, Lord, that, that every man and woman who is sacrificing in some way, shape, or form, God, uh, to allow us the system that we have, Lord, that they might look and see that we are making the most of it for your glory. And so, Lord, we praise you for this week. We praise you for the fourth, Lord. Uh, we praise you that it reminds us of the freedom and the sacrifice that is most important that we have in you. Uh, Lord, and so as we come into your house today, as we come into our time today, um, Lord, would you just allow this reality to set upon our heart, God? Uh, we love you desperately. Amen. Amen. Well, 4th of July week, there's a lot going on. We're going through our study on um, our family values, kind of things that we believe. Uh, and one of those things is that we'll talk about today is our role in society. And, and that's really important. This is kind of one of those things get flooded and mixed up. What we're just going to do is talk about the text today. Um, but it's really appropriately timed. If you would have asked me um, a year ago, if in my lifetime that um, Roe v. Wade would be pulled back and um, the states would now be making decisions on abortion and that millions of lives would be being saved, I would have told you I wouldn't believe it would happen in my lifetime. Um, and so when the justices handed down their decision, I, I immediately started thinking of uh, my family of two lawyers in our, in our family and just kind of tell me what this means and how it all goes about. And I um, heard from a lot of people, uh, how, how do we uh, celebrate? How do we give glory to God? And, and I thought, first of all, we give glory to God because a lot of lives are going to be saved all across the country because of this. Um, but the other thing is we need to understand our role in society because that's really important. If you don't know, if you've been following this, this decision's been painted in a lot of ways. 
Um, abortion is not illegal across the country right now. That is, that's not a thing. Uh, what, what the court said, and it's very interesting the way they said it, was this. They said that when the court created a national mandate on abortion, that the court shouldn't do that. That's not the role of the court. And so what they did was they said, so we're going to undo the action by the court. What they didn't say is it wasn't possible. What they didn't say is that a law can never be made. They didn't say any of those things. But they said that can't be the case. And, and so therefore, everything went back to the way it was before that judicial group made their decision, which is back to the state's um, making laws and decisions and what's on the books. And so right now, as a lot of things are going on right now, as I wrote to you this week, I, th I think there's a lot of excitement. People don't know what they're necessarily happy or sad about other than lives are being saved or personal uh, freedom in some people's minds is being um, taken away, I guess. But I, but I want you to know this. This topic of our role in society is, is ethically important right now. Because you and I have a freedom and a role to play in our society, and it matters. One of my favorite people to read about is a young man named Jim Elliott. Have you ever heard of Jim Elliott, a missionary? Uh, his story is phenomenal. If you've never heard of Jim Elliott, go Google his name. Um, in his 20s, he gave his life for the gospel to reach a people uh, who had never heard of him, uh, who've never heard of Jesus. Uh, and he gave his life trying to reach them, and then his wife, Elizabeth, dedicated her life reaching that tribe after they killed her husband and their friends. An incredible young man. And, and Jim and I had a lot of things in common. Uh, his devotion is way different than, than mine was as a young man. But what's interesting is, in reading his story, he didn't want to be involved in politics or laws in any way so much that he never even voted. Uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't want to talk about anything that he felt like wasted his time from the gospel he felt like wasn't worth talking about. Uh, and, and so much so, his story is of a very incredible, radical young man who changed the world through his testimony. Um, and, and for a long time, I thought, Lord, I just want to be so smitten by you that that's, that's the way I just want, that's it. Everything else is just noise in that. But the older I've gotten, now not in my 20s anymore, but now in my 40s, I realize that the believer has a role underneath biblical scripture on how we are to have a role in society and we still honor the authorities above us. And that looks different in our republic than it does in a communist system or a socialist system or other forms of democrat democracies or things like that. It looks different. And so I think it's really important that we know our role in society in an, and we live it out in a way that glorifies God. And I want to let you know, I do not see a lot of God being glorified in the way people are acting about issues and roles in our society right now. Across the country, we're, we used to be a melting pot, now we're a boiling pot, amen? I mean, that's what we are. We, I know people that love people desperately and have a history of years of love that disagreeing on a person or a point, not even a big one, has broken ways. Sowing discord in that is not a biblical thing. That's a tool of the enemy. And yet we've started to just become a boiling pot of America. 
And so as we, we talk about our role, I, I want to let you know, we come from many different backgrounds in this room, but in Christ, we have one foundation, and this is an easy question. It's meant for you to respond. Does God want your opinion on what he thinks you should do? No. Right? Some of you, that was hard to say, wasn't it? Right? But God... We are to be subordinate and submissive to him. And in this country where we have the freedom to express biblical values, where we have the freedom to engage and influence our systems of governments, we should do that to the glory of God. Amen? All right. Well, maybe we're up in the air on it. Right? So maybe I added glory of God on there on purpose. I'm not saying we should do that, we should influence our system, amen. You know I didn't stop it there on purpose. But we should influence our system to the glory of God. And if you and I can't influence our society to the glory of God, should we try to influence it at all? Oh, yeah, think on that for just one more second. If you and I will not influence our society to the glory of God, should we influence it at all? There's only one answer. What is it? No. We shouldn't. If, if we do something that is not to the glory of God, then by definition, it is doing what? It is taking glory away from God. Does God say, do it? That's awesome. The ends justify the means. God doesn't cheer us on that way. So church, what we need to do is we need to find ourselves being godly citizens because what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 is that we not be taken from this world but that we be left in this world but that we be protected from the enemy. See, that prayer of protection from the enemy I think it's a protection not only for our safety, but for the witness we have for God. And I believe the church is meant to have an incredible impact across this nation and across every nation. But church, just like we should be a husband and wife to the glory of God, just like we should be a parent to the glory of God, just like we should be a co-worker to the glory of God, we have a role in our society to play as a citizen to what? The glory of God. Now here's the problem. If you're antsy right now because we're talking about politics in church, I want you to just bow with me for a moment. I'm going to be real quiet because that's the enemy. That is not the Lord. So would you just be still with me and close your eyes for a moment? Just have the Lord rest upon your shoulders for just a moment. God, we are in a hotbed in our country. In politics and opinions. Lord, the way that they're being expressed have hurt many people deeply. And Lord, I know some of those people are in this room. Father God, we know that there are people on the outside looking in, wondering what the church is about. And they have been hurt. Lord, they've hurt each other. And so if they're watching today, God, right now, I just pray that your spirit would rest upon us. 
that there is not a single thing about your word to be afraid of. But Father, it is good and perfect. It is meant to make us whole. So as we submit our time to you today, Lord, would you allow, Lord, your spirit to rest upon this place so that we can taste and see how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I want to read to you um, Micah chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. And, and I want to build that framework for you, and, and I want to then we'll read together um, just kind of a, a statement. And I'm going to skip around just a second for those in our, in our booth. Um, of, of kind of our foundational belief uh, about our role in society. Um, chapter 6 of Micah, verse 6 through 8 says this, With what shall I come before the Lord? I bow myself before God on high, and bow myself before God on high. Shall I come with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams? With ten thousand rivers of oil, shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So, so let me give you the, the background of this passage. Um, Micah is a prophet to um, a divided kingdom. There are 10 tribes who are called Israel and, and, and two tribes that are down here and they're called Judah. And they split uh, after Solomon died. They started making bad decisions and they split. And for 500 years, the people of God have basically been rebelling against the Lord. And so, so in these 500 years of rebellion, prophets come and go, but at the same time, a prophet named Isaiah is prophesying to Israel and Micah is prophesying to Judah and what's interesting is they have the same message what you think is required for you to be my people in the place that you are is not what is required of you that is a reflection of your heart and, and they and they both turn the Lord turns them both away from rituals to righteousness and, and so what's happening in, in these systems, but specifically in Judah, is the leaders of the people who know all the God speak. They know all the God things. They're there to take care of the people. They're there to make, um, make sure everybody is all right. They're actually taking advantage of the people. They're making their lives feel more comfortable. They're pushing their agenda, not God's agenda. All these things that would never happen in America. Amen? Right? Right? I mean, when people start coming into power, it's amazing how tempting that is. And what God's seeing here and what's going on is rebellion is happening from the leadership and it's going down and the people of God are pushing back from him and have been doing it for a long time. And so in this environment, God doesn't say, just pull back, stop being who I need you to be in, in society. But he gives them direction because they've gotten to be distracted by rituals and thinking rituals makes right. Our, our Christian actions and our traditions, those reflect righteousness. They don't make us right. Amen? They reflect it. And so what God is doing, he's, he's pouring into them saying, I have a bigger role for you to play. 
And so we have a, a long statement. If you have your uh, handout in front of you, you can look at it there. But we'll put it on the screen here. And if you'll read it with me, I'll talk to you why we use some of the words that we used on the screen. I know I, I put you in a bad spot. Can we get on the screen? Great. Church, would you just read this with me this morning? Let's read together. All Christians are under obligation to seek to make the will of Christ supreme in our own lives and in human society. This me, the means and methods used can only be permanently helpful when they are rooted in new life through Christ Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the details of that we put in, in front of you in the seats. What that means is we oppose uh, racism, greed, selfishness, sexual immorality. We, we work to provide for the orphan, needy, abused, aged, helpless, sick. We speak on behalf of the unborn and we contend for the sanctity of all life from conception to death, natural death. That we seek to bring industry, government, and society under the principles of righteousness, truth, and brotherly love. And that we're ready to work with all men of God, um, good, all men of goodwill in any good cause being careful to act in a spirit of love without compromising our loyalty to Christ. Um, th this is one of those things that if you cooperate us and you're, you're a Baptist church, this was written um, before most of us in the room were born, actually. These aren't words that, that we created together, but these are words that we've affirmed. Because our role in society it has to be big it, it can't stop to stop speaking on the behalf or opposing or working on or, or seeking or being ready. All those things are important. And they're important because they're an obligation, right? Now, I want you to go to verse 6 again in your Bible. Uh, excuse me, verse 8 again in your, your Bible. And just the first sentence and a half in there, it says, before God gets into the list, he says this. He has told you, O man, what is required, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you? Do, do you know, church, that I use the word obligation, and we don't use the word obligation a whole lot around here because there's a bigger picture in this, but this is important because God is saying, if you are my people, the word require means I demand you seek. That's what he's saying. If you are my people, this isn't a suggestion. If you are my people, this isn't, I hope you do this. If you are my people, then I demand that you seek the following in the way that I am demanding it to happen. And when the Lord says something like that, when he says something that big, it's really important. And, and when I see this role, this requirement, here's what I know. We are not called and we do not honor God by hiding in the holy huddle on top of a mountain somewhere. We, we, are, we are not honoring the Lord when we just remove ourselves from society completely, completely forget to engage with everyone else and we do our own thing. That is actually, believe it or not, against the Bible, right? There's unbiblical, which I, I used to say was unbiblical, it just means it's not in there. And then there's anti-biblical, which means it's absolutely against the word of God. To withdraw, to not do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God is actually saying, I am going to fight against the Lord Most High. 
And what I would say to you this morning is, if we do any one or two of those things without doing all three of those things, that's exactly what we're doing. If we do any one or two of those things without doing all three of those things, we are saying, I refuse to follow the demands my king has told me to seek. And so we, we want to be mindful of this, that God has given us a place in this world for his glory. And I believe in our society we have some uniqueness. I, I think it's fun. I, I was looking at these three parts, to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. And I was thinking, what, what are three things that if any one of them don't work together, we're in trouble? <laughs> and because of the world we're in, I had to think of government. Amen? So our government has three branches. The executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch. If any one of those three doesn't do their job, what does our country, what do we receive? Chaos, right? If any one of those things is not functioning properly, then we're recipients of chaos. Now, here's what I want you to know for any of us who would hope to put our trust in the government, right? If you're perfect in the room, if you would just raise your hand for me, okay? So the government is more people than in this room, and none of them are perfect either. So even the best-intentioned ones, are they going to get it right? Can, are, are they worthy of us putting our hope in? Not at all. I, I, I think we've got to be mindful of that. What we're required to do as citizens in our society engages our government and can influence our government but we sing about it all the time. I will boast in who alone? Christ. Growing up, I used to wear t-shirts. And my aunt didn't like one t-shirt I wear. It was a pair of high-top shoes. And it had smoke coming out of the top. <laughs> and I'm sure it said, like, get right or you're going to get left. You remember the 1990s Christian t-shirts? Do you remember those? Some of you are like, I was born in the 90s. Be quiet. <laughs> but I remember my aunt's like, why would you want to wear that shirt? That's such a morbid thought. I'm like, it's an awesome thought. You know, it's just my, my, my 1990s rolled up sleeve self in the midst of this thing. And I looked through my drawers, and it is funny. When I went to Turkey, Scott said, do you have any shirts that aren't church shirts? I'm like, I have four. And most of them are like Old Navy on-sale American T-shirts that I buy on the 8th of July. Like, that's the truth. Are we boasting in Christ by who we talk about the most and by what we reflect on the outside? It is required of us, God's word, not mine, that we do the following and that we show all three as our role in society. The first is this, but to do justice. You see, you and I, a right relationship with God, you know what it means by necessity, not my word, his. It means having a right relationship with mankind. 
Do you know that? That's not me. We can go to John. And what does John say? Now, if you say you love the Lord and you hate your brother, you're wrong. In fact, you're a liar. We would hear, we would hear the Lord say, they will know you by your what? By your love for each other. So in that, a right relationship with the Lord means having a right relationship with our neighbor. Here's what to do justice means here. It means that you and I have a commitment to God, and that means we have a commitment to covenant community. Do you know that? Do you know there's a commitment to covenant community? Do you know what exists today in America that didn't exist anywhere else in in history, especially biblical times? There was no such thing as church hopping. Amen? Right? That's never, that was never a thing. Because a commitment just meant this is my family, like them or not. It's us 30 versus thousands of people. Today, it's like, but they wanted red carpet. I'm out. Can you believe what they They tweaked Sunday school by 15 minutes. That's too late. I don't get out in time for the Texans to play. And I know no one watches the Texans, but go along with me. I know we do this, but, but they don't dress like I want. They don't do it like... Right now, we have this ability based not on commitment to covenant community, but to the comfort of my own self to just walk around to go back and forth and and yet we wonder why we don't understand justice justice is an obligation to covenant community and in covenant community on that we are having infestation here in covenant community it means this is that we have an obligation a social obligation as believers um excuse me to, excuse me, to, I, I wrote this funny, now I'm tied up by the cricket. I'm done. <laughs> Our social commitment means we should not do certain things. Our covenant commitment to other people means that we have a responsibility and a sense of responsibility to help out those who are weak. Our covenant commitment to community insists on the rights of others that's what our covenant commitment does and that's an obligation and and we know this is true on our smaller scale we know it's true of our family because we know we have a commitment on our our wives to be faithful to them and we know we have a, a commitment to our spouse if, if they start acting unfaithful to, to speak about it. We, we know we have a covenant commitment with our friends when they are weak and unable to take care of their lawn, to mow their lawn if they've just come out of the hospital. We, we, we have a covenant commitment to our friends if they are starving to make sure that there's something to eat. We have a covenant commitment we know to those that we love to make sure that the right to honor the Lord and follow God is not removed from them. We have a covenant commitment to do that. That that takes some fortitude, doesn't it? Let me tell you, anyone that said marriage is for sissies has never been married. Amen? Amen, yeah. 
It takes covenant commitment. Believe it or not, you don't like your spouse every second of every day for 50 years. Amen? Amen. I know, you don't have to say it. I know. I don't know how I live with me, right? But we know that the commitment is more important than the moment. Church, as believers, we have a covenant commitment. I, I would tell you to the Lord, first to the family, and then to the world to do justice, to not do certain things, to have a sense of responsibility towards those who are weak, and to insist on the rights of others. The words of Christ, the Good Samaritan, if there's a man on the side of the road who's his neighbor, you go and be his neighbor. Do what's right by him sacrificially. We can look a little bit further. It, Jesus says, if you did it unto the least of these brothers of ours, then you have done it unto whom? Unto me. When you do justice, care for the widows, care for the orphans. He told the Pharisees, you do all of these things, but you're not even caring for your parents. Do justice. Do you know that we have a responsibility to be justice doers? That's why almost every major hospital in Houston was started by Christians. A lot just got tired of it and handed it over. I mean, in light of Roe v. Wade falling and changing, I've gotten to talk with more people about foster care and adoption and what ministries are doing in the area. How do we come alongside and help moms not give up? Galatians 6, 9, because in due time you'll reap a harvest. Raise him and her up to the Lord. Church, we have this covenant obligation to do justice and we can't get away from it. But I want you to know how we do justice matters to God. Chapter 6, verse 8, next word. But to do justice and to what? To love kindness. To love kindness. Now, this is the qualifier. You can't have a right, unkind relationship. Amen? Do you know that? You, you, you can't have a right unkind. You might say, I want my wife, um, I want her to be safe from outside harm. If you lock her in her room against her will and slide food under the, the door every night and don't let her out until she goes and meets Jesus, is that, are you cultivating love? Of course not. That's unkind. So do you understand, church, with me that kindness has to be a biblical, God-honoring qualifier to do justice for his glory? Church, we cannot be unkind, biblical justice doers. That is anti-biblical. That is against the word. In the big picture of this, the word kindness here is the word has said. Do you know where that word's found over and over in the Old Testament? In the book of Hosea. 
What Hosea is walking through this, this word has says mean it's a love that won't let go. No matter what you do to me, no matter how you run from me, no matter how you make me feel small, no matter what you say to me, no matter how you break a covenant with me, no matter how vile you are, no matter what you say or do, my kindness will not stop pursuing you. That's an amazing kindness. And God says, I demand it. I demand it from my people that you, to do justice, have to have has said kindness. In Christ, we are held by his grace to a higher standard than the rest of the world. And so we have to be wise. In Romans 2, Paul writes, the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. In Galatians 6, restore one in sin with gentleness. Uh, Philippians 4, let your kindness be evident to all. Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and kind. Church, we have an opportunity to be justice doers with a kindness that makes no sense to the world. We have to be mindful that we do not try to use unbiblical tactics, unbiblical feelings, anti-biblical emotions to try to do justice. Because that is not biblical justice. That is not our role in society. If you want your wife to be safe, you don't lock her in a room and slide food under the door. You pursue her in every situation she is in to the glory of God. And you do what's best and right to her at every possible outcome. This is our role. Poking fun, yelling, belittling, That's not God glorifying. That is the tactic of the enemy. How do I know Matthew chapter 4? If you are the son of God, what is Satan saying to Jesus? Let me make you feel small. Let me make you feel unimportant. Let me show you what I think of you. If you are the son of God, let me use your own words against you. He is void of kindness. Hased says this, is this pursuing kindness that must flood the justice that we do and in our country we have the freedom to do it we have the best opportunity to show the world what the pursuit of God looks like the third piece is, is equally important the Bible says in verse 8 what does he require of you but to do justice to love kindness and to walk humbly before your God or humbly with your God. We throw the word humble around a lot, um, but let me tell you what it means. It means walk cautiously before God. I, I think this qualifier in how we have a role in society matters. How we speak up, how we do good, how we protect, how we care for, how, how we move. Our role as believers in society, it must do justice. You can't practice, can't not practice righteousness and be righteous. But it must be done with a pursuing kindness that does not return what has been given to us. But, but number three, it has to be practiced 
cautiously knowing that we are walking before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who loves us and will not hesitate to discipline those he loves. Amen? Listen, if you think good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people, you're not reading the Bible. If that was true, then you shouldn't believe in Jesus. A lot of bad things happened to him. Church, in the middle of this, what we have to know is the way that we have our role in society, it can't be willy-nilly. We can't just say, oh, I got ahead of myself. We can't just say, well, this is what I feel like doing right now. We can't just say, I don't want to talk to you, you people because I want to do it my way. That is not walking cautiously before the Lord who is cold to us. You will be against me if you practice justice in an unkind manner. If you do not measure your words, your actions, your emotions, your posts, your conversations, then you're not practicing the biblical role of justice doer as a part of my family. Walk more carefully before me. God is our Lord and our Savior. He is our healer and our friend, but he is our King. He is almighty. He is not your homeboy or your buddy. He is the creator of all things whom we should walk with in joy and power cautiously because we respect him so much. Church, our country needs us to do this we can't do justice with unending kindness without walking humbly before God. James chapter 4 verse 6 says God is against the proud and gives grace to the humble. God is against the proud. Here's what that means. It means if pride is the banner over your justice or my justice and somehow we think kindness is being woven in there as well but pride is our heart you are standing against the Lord I remember my mom telling me when I was a teenager you have a haughty spirit I said I don't even know what that means she says it's pride and do you know what scripture says about pride prideful spirit will lead you to destruction do you know who causes the destruction the king of kings and the lord of lords who you stand against for his glory in your arrogance the lord does not edify the proud he doesn't do it so we cannot be proud nor can we edify the proud and every man and woman that's ever faced, walked the face of this earth has wrestled with pride. So what God is saying is, if you want to do justice as my people, then you edify me in your humility with cautiousness. Don't you dare throw me around like you throw others around. And you do it in a way 
where the justice of God is displayed with the covenant kindness that the Lord pursued you with. That is who we're called to be. So I don't know if I, I know I'm not today where I was in my 20s. I think God's given us a pretty awesome opportunity as Christians in America to do justice bathed in the loving kindness in a way that shows the utmost respect for our God. And if we have that role in society, church, I will tell you this, the world will notice because there's very little of it around us. And some of it is in churches and some of it is in worldly institutions and some of it is in homes. What the Lord tells us is to come to him with respect. Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's our charge. What do we believe our role in society is? required we have an obligation to do justice love kindness and walk with humility before the king gives the command would you pray with me Father God we thank you for today we thank you for this time you've given us together Lord in this country where you've given us an opportunity to do these things out in the open Lord to where we can vote to where we can have conversations, to where we can share our opinions, to where we can, we can speak openly on the streets. But Lord, just as the enemy wanted to twist your word in Matthew in the desert with Jesus, he desires to twist our freedom that you provided for us today. So Lord, let us not be people who withdraw or come back or fall away or hide. But Lord, let us also not think that we are practicing biblical rituals for your glory and we are leaving these three parts out. Father, in this room, if there's any person who doesn't know you, Lord, you did justice for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. But on he who knew no sin, you made your own son sin so that we might taste and be the righteousness of God. You allowed Christ to pay the penalty and satisfy that justice. But Lord, as each person in this room hears, the Bible shares that Jesus says, I do this of my own will. It was out of the kindness of the Lord that Jesus laid his life down so that we could be new and Lord he didn't do it just flippantly he prayed in the garden not my will but yours be done so Lord if there's a man or woman or child in this room does not know saving grace of Jesus Christ would, would you through your son in his act of ultimate justice would you allow them to say Father God 
freedom that comes after following you as my Lord and Savior. Lord, let us be different as a church. Let us stand against the tide. We praise you for the victories you've won. Lord, I pray for more victories to come. But I pray that you would be edified in Jesus' name.